Welcome to the Codex Cantina, where I am Una. And I am Life Full Crypto? <laughs> we go heavy into the literature that we read. Today we are doing a lifeless beast, or sometimes called a lifeless animal, by Teffy. And as always, we start off with publication information, and this story was published in 1916 and translated by Ross Ufberg. Now, Teffy is a pseudonym. I will put her name in the description box. There's not a soul in this world that would benefit by me mispronouncing this name. I would never get this. So why are we here talking about Russian Christmas stories? A real quick announcement. This is a part of our A Very Foreign Christmas. We're doing Russian stories for A Very Russian Christmas this year. Yeah, I think this is something that I was excited to go into and learn because we have this idea of what Christmas is from a Western standpoint. We've Americanized Christmas. We tend to usually think about it with presents and we think about Christmas trees and Santa Claus and, you know, uh, leaving out cookies and leaving out the carrots for the reindeer. We have a, definitely a very, very unique view of Christmas and the Christmas celebration and Christmas stories and Christmas songs here in America. One of the things that I feel like I get as a parent at Christmas time is I feel a little bit clever, right? With the elf on the shelf, with the whole Christmas presents thing. Of course, my son's incredibly intuitive and unfortunately spoils <laughs> a little bit of the magic. But I would say that's something that I can see a little bit in the story of this of this too, is that divide between perhaps the innocence and the adult-like state with how we view Christmas too. And I think the key word that you pointed out already is magic. <laughs> this ram represents a lot of magic and maybe represents a little <laughs> bit of innocence in this story too let's get into it today we're going to go through a quick plot recap and then we're going to do some analysis on this right let's do it so for plot we get a bunch of small vignettes of a young girl growing up so at a christmas party katya received a stuffed ram with human like eyes her mother ignores her daughter's questions on whether the animal is real Katya goes to feed milk to the beast and rams his nose in, pun intended, <laughs> That's into, <funny. laughs> into the phony milk, right? So over time, Katya continues to play with the ram and he becomes dirty and not allowed at the, at the table anymore. And at dinner, her parents don't really say much at all, do they? Yeah, definitely something about communication here as well with a lack of talking with their child. Now, one day, a fight breaks out, and Katya is rushed away from the table by the nanny. It was the last night Katya really saw them together. Soon, some fox-like women interview the nanny and poke around the house. Katya and the ram have a bond, and one day, they spot a rat. Now, soon, the papa returns, and we have a teacher removing all the toys and thus fantasy from her life. Her ram is ripped apart by the rats in a very tragic ending, more or less the plot right there. End scene. End innocence. All right, so in terms of analysis, we need to talk about the point of view about this coming from a six-year-old child, probably being the most important part about this story. Yeah, I think this is where we see that this ram represents kind of like a shield here we've seen in other stories. This is protecting us from really who we are. Arguably like L. Arbol, perhaps in a sense, with the tree. So she has this ram and she's... It's like we talked about earlier, this, there's, there's a divide between her and adults. She's in this fantasy world with this ram drinking phony milk, and the adults live in the real world, the adult world, where they drink real milk. Yeah, exactly. So that magic here being for the child and not having the magic for the adults. Well, we get a quote, you can't give a lifeless animal live milk to drink. You've got to give him phony milk like this. 
but why does the cat get real milk? That's what the cat needs. Each animal has its own habits. For a living one, life milk. For a lifeless one, phony milk. <laughs> I just, every time you say it, it just cracks me up because like phony milk, it's like you're purposely telling this child a lie. And, but to keep the perpetual idea of magic alive, you have to do that. And I feel that way sometimes, like raising my son, particularly like Elf on the Shelf and like moving it each night and oh, you can't touch it. Like all these like fake, fake phony rules, right? In a yeah, sense. Yeah, all good. See what you did there. Do you know, if you read the instructions of the Elf on the Shelf, if you touch the elf, do you know what happens? Does he die? Is, like, is it that dramatic? He loses his magic. Oh, okay. Right? So it's like if you stop believing in fairies, they die or whatever. <laughs> so so in the same way, this girl has like this ram that she's she's having these fantasies about. Or, you know, We assume that the, the ram's not actually getting up and moving around, right? We assume it's all in this little girl's fantasy make-believe world. And you have all of these adults that are having these clashes, but we're shielded from it because... You know, in the same way that when the parents started arguing, the nanny ushers this girl, little girl, out of the room that she doesn't see some of the tragedy and and divorce that's that's incoming into her life. Yeah, it is interesting, though, that the parents aren't the ones that are trying to protect her childhood innocence and this magical belief system. It's the nanny that shields her and, you know, talks to her about the phony milk and the live milk and everything. And that's the person that obviously is the really the caregiver here. Interesting dynamic there in the family as well. We had to know that was coming too from like you had to know it wasn't coming from the mom, right? She was described as having like this bird like face, like speaking of which there were several people compared to animals. I mean, the story is called a lifeless beast or a lifeless animal. Did you notice how many animal references there were through this? Yeah, we have the ram, we have the bird face, the fox face, the... Which, what were those women? Were they like the Russian equivalent of CPA? <laughs> yeah, probably. Obviously, you know, fox is never going to be a trait that is something that's good in a story. So definitely that cunning or conniving, you know, manipulative type of personalities being described to these women. Well, and then the mother's bird-like, which birds are typically cold and heartless and, you know, amoral, if you will. The father arrived, and he peered out, frowning, angry as a goat. Oh, I missed that one. That one's mm -hmm. good. The nanny said, your teacher has arrived, a face like an overgrown dog. You're in for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty harsh. They, they called her a wise old watchdog. <laughs> oh, and you just kind of like imagine the long jowls, right? And the, you're in trouble now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you brought up how the nanny protected her in a sense, but the nanny was described as even having sharp teeth and would sneer like a cat at the rats when they started seeing the rats come into the picture too. So everyone who's been demystified, everyone who's lost their innocence already, all the adults... They become these amoral animals that are having these arguments compared to the little girl who's trying to have make-believe and magic and fantasy in her life. It's kind of interesting the way that the animal attributes are applied, almost giving like an amoral feeling, like an animalistic feeling to adults as opposed to the, the children nurturing, loving Daughter. Yeah, I think when it comes to like the nanny, when she says it describes her as like as a cat, you know, she's protecting the child from the literal rats, right? And those are actual animals in the story, not a descriptive of a human being. Right, right. And 
what do the rats do to the little girl? So if, if the ram is her shield, what's protecting her innocence from this amoral animalistic life, what do the rats come and do to her shield? They come and eat it. They come, well, <laughs> or tear they, it they, apart, destroy it. They come and rip apart. it away. And to me, this was kind of like about as Russian as it gets in terms of happiness, right? This is the Russian lose loss of innocence story where this is where this girl is losing the innocence and now entering into a more adult life and probably having to face these rea- these harsh realities in a sense that you know she's typically been protected from she's going to start drinking the real milk as opposed to that phony milk <laughs> exactly i think this kind of brings up the whole point of the story and something that we've learned about this and why we did this from the beginning is that in our christmas stories there is a lot more positivity that comes out. And this one's more of a life lesson of saying, hey, Christmas is something that is fun and magical, but there's a life lesson to learn here that eventually you're going to have to start adulting and you're going to lose that childhood innocence. And that's a pretty good lesson to learn through Christmas as well. One must approach the toys logically and rationally. Otherwise, you'll have the disease of fantasy and the resulting damage. (laughs) Oh, that's it's kind of heartbreaking, but you know, sometimes you just got to grow up, right? <laughs> a little uh, Scrooge there, but <laughs> don't t- don't touch that elf; he'll lose his magic, which is really you. <laughs> this yep. elf is symbolic of your innocence, my son. <laughs> oh, oh, don't tell him that. Don't ever say that to him, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, for some people, I've been told they enjoy the conversations, but they're not sure what to add. Please feel free to leave like a little animal emoji if you'd like to contribute, but don't know what to say. Or an elf emoji. <laughs> now, if you are down for more Teffy conversations, we'll leave a link to a playlist as we do cover more of her because this will not be our last. Crypto, let's move into our subjective ratings of just how you felt about this story, particularly in the in the spirit of Christmas this time of year, I would, I would say. Yeah, so I know that we're trying to learn about these other cultures and how they identify as Christmas. So I'm really struggling to give this a rating because I'm bringing too much of my own personal baggage of what Christmas means to me as an American. Uh, so I, I, I rake it low, you know, maybe like a four or five, mm-hmm. but the idea of some other culture and what its Christmas stories are trying to do and teach their children or teach, you know, the ideas of what it means to be a child or become an adult. I kind of think it's actually a really good story. Uh, it, it's a little sad, uh, but maybe for them, if I'm looking at it from that point of view, maybe I give it a good solid seven. So if I don't Americanize it, I think it's pretty good. So, yeah, kind of take that what you will. Uh, four or seven, somewhere in there. So this being a Christmas story wrapped up in this A Very Russian Christmas book, I mean, it's very tenuous to me, the idea of her innocence being tied up with the lies that we give our children at Christmas time, right? The magic that we feed into them to allow them to have this this fantasy and, and childlike innocence. Very tenuous to me to be tied to Christmas, but... It was a good story to me. It's very heartbreaking, and I do like the the usage of animals. Uh, to me, animals are always amoral, representing kind of maybe what we become once we lose that innocence. If we don't have the standards and the magic and love to treat each other, there's maybe a little bit more of a Christmas story there. I don't know. I, I'm going to go overall, I think, with a seven. For, for my very subjective rating for this one. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. Uh, again, I just I struggled to disassociate my personal feelings because I love Christmas and Christmas stories and Christmas food and Christmas time and Christmas trees. Gimme, 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 gimme. Uh, so it's, it's very difficult. But uh, yeah, so I think this one's going to be kind of difficult to rate for me. But uh, let's agree on a seven. 
All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed the discussion today. We hope you are enjoying learning about another culture and the way that maybe they view Christmas. If you are down for more literature discussions or checking out some more Christmas stories from Russian authors, please consider hitting that subscribe button as we post videos every Monday and Thursday. Una out. Peace.